0: Nobody questions things in this country anymore.
1: Nobody wants to rock the boat.
2: It's all bullshit, folks. It's all bullshit, and it's bad for you. But we believe them because they're pounded into our heads from the time we're children. Children should be taught to question everything. To question everything
0: they read, everything they hear.
1: Welcome to Question Culture with Brian and Lornette. On each episode, Lornette and I discuss and question conventional wisdom about a topic we believe is important. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Q Culture. that's Q-U-E-C-U-L-T-U-R-E. There we share the links to the documentaries, articles, and books we reference on each episode. And with Valentine's Day quickly approaching, we thought it'd be a perfect time to question monogamy. How's it going, Lornette?
0: Hey, Brian. Um, welcome, everybody, to Question Culture. Thank you for all our listeners. Um, and thank you for our listeners who recommend other listeners. So um, uh, keep on doing that and uh, keep on uh, writing reviews and, and rating us on Spotify and, and um, Apple Podcasts and, and Google. Uh, and anywhere you can find podcasts. So appreciate you. Lauren at Vestal, he, him, bad-ass motherfucker. You can follow me on Twitter at Evolving Man LVV, or you can check me out on my public Facebook page, Lauren at Vestal, or you can check out the, my website, The Evolving Man Project. And also, if you are looking for um, New Year's resolutions and you want to read more, you can check out the um, novel uh, written by me and my lovely wife, Bernadine Haynes, called *Even the Faders* and *I and the Alphas*, the uh, Faders and Alpha series. And those are available everywhere books are sold. Um, but now, last but not least, um, we are questioning monogamy today, and we have a special guest. Their name is Ashley Oakley. She is a social worker, an aerial dancer, an advocate for radical relationships. She has performed aerial acrobatics across the globe, worked at international schools in Central America. Ashley identifies as a pan has pansexual and ambiamorous. I said that correctly.
3: Ambiamorous. AMBIAMOROUS. Uh, you know, comfortable with monogamy, polyamory, and everything in between.
0: Thanks for that definition,
1: Ash. are <laughs> <Hey>, welcome. <laughs> welcome.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
1: All right. Well. Yeah, um, I'm excited about this episode. Um, For one, I think I'm going to learn a lot, which I always like episodes where that happens. Um, But it's fun. I like this topic um, a lot because it kind of was one of those things, I don't know, at least for me personally, I'm in my mid-30s now, early in life uh, around high school and then into college. I really started questioning a lot of the systems in our society, be it racism, patriarchy, all those kind of things. But Questioning kind of just the types of relationships we form and things like that. I really didn't start even thinking about it till well into my 30s, and I think it's something that other people might experience. Where it's it's kind of such a a default position in our society that we don't even question it or even realize that it's there. I should say. Um, so I'm excited to to discuss it with you guys and, and talk about it. And uh, Valentine's Day seemed an appropriate time to do it. Uh, since that's uh, it's become just like Christmas. It's one of those consumer holidays where, um, I don't know. Being in a relationship, um, kind of kind of makes people feel bad if they're not in a relationship. Oh yeah, I, I used um, to
0: call it when I was a single man Valentine's Day Single Awareness Day, um, <laughs> because you know everybody wants it's cuffing season, so you want to have someone for Valentine's Day, and then, you know I mean they probably don't say cuffing season anymore because,
3: uh,
0: I'm I'm an elder millennial and I'm I'm not cool anymore, uh, according to the mtv um but yeah um I'll, I'll also hopefully this podcast won't get our get us in the doghouse with our respective wives Questioning or not going to be hard learn it uh, what you what you try what? To say. <laughs>
3: i'll do the questioning
1: yeah
3: <laughs> i'll take the hit for y'all
1: Well, (laughs) thank you. But, uh, you know, I I do want to like point out that the point of this episode isn't like to shit on people that are monogamous relationship or anything like that. But it is to show it is to show that our culture is definitely geared towards that type of relationship. And people are often very judgmental, as we'll get into of different kinds of relationships. And so the point of the episode is really just to you know, to describe the other kind of relationships, kind of discuss why monogamy, you know, why it kind of turned into the dominant form of relationship, and just to, you know, hopefully get people to to see things in a different light and to be open to other, you know, whatever type of relationship that somebody um, might want to choose. So we uh, we usually um, start with history on the on the podcast to kind of uh, describe how we got where we are. Um, so, not Ashley, if you want to take it away, feel free to um, discuss whatever you want from from that aspect.
0: Well, let, let's let's just define when we talk about monogamy. We're talking about in the context of a romantic um, relationship. And um, um, romantic relationships. The official definition. So it is a romantic or romance or romantic love is a feeling of love for or a strong attraction towards another person. And the courtship behaviors undertaken by an individual to express those overall feelings and resultant emotions. So there you go. Now, there are different types of love, but in this episode, we'll be focusing primarily on romantic relationships between individuals um, and sometimes even between, um, when I say individuals, one or well two or more persons. <laughs> so we'll get into that topic a little later. Uh, but that's what we're that's what we're relationship we're defining, but we can get to some history. Uh, Ashley, did you want to dive into the history or because I got some stats myself?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, But first, just adding to that definition of romantic relationship for the context of, you know, this episode, this podcast, that could be like committed, casual, uh, both emotional and physical, uh, you know, sex or no sex, monogamous, polyamorous, you know, we're really trying to encapsulate all romantic relationships that exist for the purpose of of this topic
0: how very open and, and open minded of you and thoughtful ashley So <laughs> what we I, strive for I, on question culture baby
1: i think we mm-hmm. should point out too Were there's also different types of relationships as far as who's involved, you know, if it's two same-sex partners or uh, couples of different sexes. And we already did an episode on homophobia and, and trans rights and those things. So on this, we're kind of more focusing on relationships as far as d- different formations of them, not so much the 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 sex of the people involved. So I yeah. wanted to put that out there, but definitely go back and check out our episode on, on the other uh, types of relationships if you want to. Exactly. But yeah. History.
3: History. Man, so isn't it wild that the concept of a romantic relationship, it's actually a pretty modern concept. Like this didn't really exist like in the popular like idea that we have of it now. So like, you know, in the past, before the nineteen hundreds, relationships had a very different like use and purpose. You know, there's things that it was used for like you know, to secure alliances. We were trying to produce offspring. We were arranging these relationships for like political, economic gain, all of that. But like, that's definitely not what it is today.
0: No, no. Yeah, I it's... mean, I'll you... oh, go ahead, Brian. No, no, go ahead. You're good. I was gonna say, yeah, you had these arranged alliances where, you know, and first off, married, marriage is a, a very, we're talking about in the relationship confines of like marriage. Um, that idea uh it's a very old ancient institution. It goes back uh, from my research uh, since this dawn of civilization so about ten thousand years give or take. Um and like what Ashley talked about, you know, keeping alliances, uh family ties. Um so it wasn't like, oh I really love this person. Um <laughs> uh, and we need to get married. No, it was it was like you know we are we're a powerful family. We want to form an alliance with this other powerful family you had to play or pay a dowry and stuff like that for the bride. Um, so um, and then also, like in many early cultures, men could dissolve a marriage or take on another wife at the if their wife was infertile. Uh, however, early, the early Christian church was a trailblazer in arguing that marriage was not contingent upon producing offspring, which is strangely progressive <laughs> for the, for the church uh, compared to how they are nowadays right there. yeah, many times. Um, Not all church, not all religious people are regressive, but that's uh, very, very interesting. But Ashley, did you have some more history?
3: Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty radical idea, right, for the church to put forward that this idea that a romantic relationship or that an intimate relationship of sorts goes beyond just the purpose of producing offspring. Like, what? If the church was that (laughs) radical today, they would be like. You know, promoting all sorts of future thought, and I feel like that's not really the case.
0: No, no, not not at all, not not at all. Um, and then, you know, we had, um, and also the church um, monogamy became the guiding principle, at least in the Western culture, um, for marriages. Sometime between the sixth and ninth centuries, uh, there was a protracted battle between the Catholic Church and the old nobility and kings who want to say, "I want a second and third wife." Obviously, uh, King Henry the Eighth is very famous for having multiple wives It didn't sire him a male offspring, so he uh, chopped off his head because he was such a swell guy. Um, And we all had to learn about him in fifth grade, because I did learn about that when I was a kid. And I was like, oh, you know, you think about it now, you're older. You're like, that's fucking insane. But um, so the Catholic Church was like, no, you can't take on more than one wife. Um, So the Catholic Church um, being very um, ahead of their time. Or maybe not. I don't know. It depends on how you feel about that. Um, and then also, um, back in that time, monogamous marriage was still very different from the modern conception of um, mutual fidelity. Though marriage was legally and uh, sanctimonially recognized between just one man and one woman, because gay marriage didn't become illegal, at least in this country, in many Western countries until the 20th, 21st century. Um, until the 19th century, men had a whole latitude to engage in extramarital affairs. Any children resulting from those flings uh, would not be would be illegitimate and no claim to the man's inheritance. Hence the name, the bastard child, bastard son. I mean, Game of Thrones is all about bastards and the bastard son rises up and all that stuff. Um, and then, you know, and and and, and also in the West West. Um, Marriages was originally originally contracts between families um, of the two partners. So like, as Ashley mentioned, the alliances (laughs) that, you know, families bring their ties together. Um, And then, I guess, in 1215, the Catholic Church decreed that partners had to publicly post bans or notices of impending marriage in the local parish to cut down on the frequency of invalid marriages. The Church eliminated that requirement in the 1980s still in the 1500s Church accepted couples were that they had exchanged marriage vows and with no witnesses or corroborating evidence needed. And then over the last several hundred years, has um, the church waned and influence waned in the Western world. Marriage became more civil. So you basically confessing your love for the name of the state. And um, one of the reasons for gay marriages um, being pushed was that same sex couples want to have the benefits of uh, um, different sex couples. Because you would have families um, deny that same-sex partner access to their partner on their deathbed or if something happened to them, even if they had a relationship for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Um, so they were fighting for legal civil rights and um, gaining marriage. I know some of the more radical LGBTQ queer communities being like, why did you want to be like the the boring straight people? <laughs> Shout out to my fellow straights. <laughs> um, and then... About 250 years ago, the notion of love matches gained traction, uh, meaning marriage is based on love and possibly sexual desire. Uh, mutual attraction in marriage wasn't important until about a century ago. In fact, in Victorian England, and we're talking about this from a very Western perspective, uh, many. Uh, women didn't have strong, that they believe that many women didn't have strong sexual urges at all. Is that true, Ashley, that you women just don't have any sexual urges? <laughs> uh,
3: I, I would say that I have just about as strong as, and definitely a greater capacity for a number of orgasms than any partner that is male <laughs> than I have ever been with.
0: <laughs> oh, those, those damn Victorians, uh, women's sexual pleasure didn't matter. Um, and then also <laughs> economics, um, shape these marriages. Uh, around the world, family-arranged alliances have gradually given way to love matches, Matches and transition from agricultural to market economy plays a big role in that transition. Um, yeah, parent, Historically, parents control access to inheritance of agricultural land, but with the spread of market economy, it's less important for people to have permission from their parents to wait to give them inheritance or work on their parents' les, land. So it's more possible for young people to say, heck, I'm going to get married to who I want. So yeah, the whole idea of like asking your asking the you know your lover's father for like I need you, I want you to take your daughter's hand in marriage and then the father walks the woman down the aisle and like I give you away I give my do- I give ownership of my daughter for me to you, husband, new future husband, do what you will. So uh, that's that's insane, but yes. Um, so a lot of ideas think, around marriage have evolved.
1: Yeah, I think it shows never is the patriarchy more apparent than when it comes to relationships. Like you just mentioned, you know, like the man giving away his daughter to another man. You see that also, you know, like with the you know, it was tradition for the woman to take the man's name. Um, I forget the exact date, but it was like even extremely recently in America, like a woman couldn't open her own credit card account and bank account until very late in the 1900s. And so patriarchy was, or relationships were kind of the way they were, you know, it was custom to be formed, was used as a tool of patriarchy to keep the the power in the hands of men. Um, I did also want to add, since we talked about Um, you know, a little further back where we talked about, it's kind of a newer thing for relationships to even be based off love that it used to be based more on things like alliances. And I just want to point out that that's not just saying alliances. It sounds like it's, you know, something only for, you know, rich people who controlled kingdoms and needed things. But we kind of forget, you know, up until the late 1800s, um, it, survival was was not taken for as granted as as it is now um before the advent of modern medicine um it was very common you know half your ch- children that you would have would die and it was not as easy to survive we were still in a stage of you know of being humans where there were so many things that could kill us and our survival rate was very low So even as, you know, a poor peasant person, you needed to have, you know, relationships with as many people as possible to ensure your survival. So that's kind of where this alliance and, you know, um, securing resources and things, it was, it it came out of necessity to actually be able to survive. It wasn't something that was just for, you know, the the kings and queens of the time. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And also, I mean, when you don't like cross pollinate and make those alliances, I mean, that straight up leads to inbreeding so it definitely served its purpose and um, (laughs) i mean also not only was this whole like involvement of the state like based on the patriarchy and control of of, you know gender and sex and all that but it was also very racist like all countries Mm -hmm. across the world had laws on the books permitting or not permitting relationships based on race
1: and that was so recent too i mean you can read many stories from like the 50s and 60s of mixed race couples and the the you know the hell that they went through um just because they were in love with somebody who was a different race
0: yes loving yeah was it loving versus the state of virginia was the was the was the supreme court case that um basically made um basically destroyed the miscegenation laws. And, and speaking about the patriarchy and all that, um, uh, marriage wasn't about equality about 50 years ago. At that time, 50 years ago, um, women and men had unique rights and responsibilities within their marriage. For instance, in the United States, marital rape was very legal in many states until the 1970s. And like you mentioned earlier, Brian, um, women could not open credit cards uh, under their own names, um, so, Ashley, I guess, like, yeah, you, you had to ask your husband's permission to have her, to get a credit card if, if you were a woman back then, which is insane. I don't even think about that shit. But, like, you can't get credit because you have to get it in your husband or dad's name.
3: I mean, if I lived during that time, I would have ran that shit up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> Not in my name? Okay. I'll play that game.
0: Yeah. And, and speaking of that, like, um, we ta- we talked about, like, some like opening credit cards, uh, they had to use their husbands. Uh, women were entitled to support uh, entitled to support from their husbands, but didn't have a right to decide on the distribution of community property. Uh, this is like 50 years ago um, in the 1970s. Um, if and if a wife was injured or killed, a man could sue the the responsible party for depriving him of services around the home, whereas women did not have the same option. And about 50 years ago, the notion that men and women with uh, identical obligations within America, um, it's in sorry within within the marriage beginning to take root. So instead of being a unique gender-based roles, most partners can see uh, their unions in terms of flexible division of labor, companionship, and mutual sexual attraction. And now you know we talked about the manosphere, and those motherfuckers are like, we need to go back to the good old olden days. They want it, they want you, you know, get, get me a beer, woman, and rub my feet, and don't talk. <laughs> Just be hot and shut up. So, well, so,
1: that's, what's, yeah, that's, that's what's scary is I feel like for every two steps we take forward, we take a step back because you do see that shit on the rise. Like, I'm always fascinated with, like, people with, like, Andrew Tate. Like, if, it, if he was just some lone nut, you know, screaming into the wind on a street corner and nobody listened to him, like, that would be one thing. But, like, he's known because he's incredibly popular and has an incredibly large following and then that creates a feedback loop because then he has these listeners who he feeds his bullshit into and then they regurgitate it and stuff and it's just it's scary that that should is i mean i thought you know i was hoping that those kind of outdated ideas would be long gone but it is kind of scary that they seem very prevalent because i was thinking about the like the the credit cards and you know women being able to open their own fine you know bank accounts and things like that and i think that's situation where it shows where true power lies in this capitalist society how it's with money not with the government and so-called democracy because women are in the right to vote early on in the 1900s you know but but they still their finances were still locked up till much later on so i just think that's kind of a situation where it shows you know where power really lies in this culture that we live in
0: yeah yeah and i
3: mean even though women you know had the right to vote at a certain time period. I mean, how many folks do you know who the wife in a male female marriage just votes for what the husband votes for? And so like legalizing something doesn't necessarily mean that in the culture and in practice, it's an actual thing. Like culture shift takes a lot of time. And it's like from the time that women got the right to vote until, you know, the time of like that feminist movement and like getting the full rights to financial things. Like, I mean, at this point in time, I mean, I, I do love this number, but a uh, 69% of divorces are initiated by women.
0: <laughs> uh, that's probably because those husbands aren't practicing 69. Get together, me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and then one, and one last thing about the history of um, relationships and evolution of marriage in this in our society. Uh, changes in straight marriage paved the way for gay marriage. Uh, once marriage was not legally based on uh, complementary gender-based roles, gay marriage seemed to be the lex- logical step. Um, and one of the reasons for these stunningly rapid increase in acceptance of same-sex marriage is because heterosexuals have completely changed the notion of what marriage is between a man and a woman. And we now believe it's based on love, mutual sexual attraction, equality, and a flexible division of labor. Um, and obviously, you have these mental types who are trying to, like, revert these changes, uh, which I think are good changes. I mean, I think everybody in relationship, no matter what type of relationship, uh, should feel valued. Um, but, um, Ashley, are you familiar with the the spear and what we're talking about, the Andrew Tates and uh, these Kevin Sangle types in these I, I podcasting avoid- bros?
3: I try to avoid all of that because it is just not good for my mental health, and I don't need any more motivation to be angry at the patriarchy and the resulting, like, <laughs> scum of the earth, Andrew Taints, uh, in the world. But if you would love to, you know, describe that for me, I'm I'm here for it.
0: Oh, no, we have a whole podcast on the mantle spirit that folks can check it- out
2: okay
0: but but
1: it's basically it's the same it's just repackaged conservative nonsense that they they basically attribute like like the problems in the world are because there's not like one man and one woman raising children and stuff and that women are distracted by work so they should be back man should do all the supporting financially and women should be do all the the child rearing so it's just you know, stupid bullshit is old as as old as time, but they just kind of repackage it in a new way for a younger audience. Yeah, it just like it just basically men's rights meets you know um,
0: crazy conservative like values, but yeah, like you say, repackage for a younger generation. So Andrew Tate is all about like have all these money and cars and all these girls, but obviously he's like capturing them as prisoners and sex trafficking because he's because no woman in her right mind would want to spend any quality time with him so he has to hold them hostage so because i guess he's such a stud you have to hold your any woman with you hostage you asshole but anyway it, um these these types are and and, and, it's, it's, and it's across races and also um it's it's international because there's even like a rise of this spear in on uh, the african nation of kenya and there's been some um um femicide there you go where um women are being murdered just for being women and like you know by their intimate partners, family members, things of that nature. And this is unfortunately is not a new trend, but this this manosphere is bringing like all the progress that was made across the globe um, is being kind of uh, pushed back. And I, I think it's a reaction to the rights that women gain across the world globally um, and still some places more than others, but it's not lots of strides made over the last 60, 50 years and now you have, it's always this conservative backlash against that. And I think it's a reaction to, we have more women in college nowadays, especially in the West than than men. Um, women, the, the wage gap is is closing slowly but surely. And obviously it's a little more complex than that, because if you look at race and, and uh, class and all that, those numbers change. But there is a, a widening of that. I mean, it's a, a closing of that gap. And I think the man will spare as a reaction to that. And it's also, um, it's confusing a lot of young men um, and also some older men, my age and much older uh, about like relationships and dating.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Like, I feel like anytime there's, you know, a loss of power by that like dominant group. In this case, we're talking about men, especially, you know, wealthy men, but also, you know, low income men too. Anytime there's a loss of power, from an existing power imbalance and now all of a sudden women are having more power than they had in the past there's this like really pathetic desperate grappling to regain that power because whenever your confidence is built on you know something that's not true like a, a false like non unjust like uh, attainment of power by force there's gonna be that like last kind of grappling for whatever they can get you know and it's really sad to see people like Mr. Taint uh, sad sad pathetic little grasp
1: that is yeah. the word that I would use is sad because it's it it reminds me of like like all right when when people try to obtain so much wealth and they, their whole life is just about mo- you know moving up the corporate ladder or whatever it may be to ca- attain more and more wealth well once you start making over $150,000 a year, wealth accumulation actually ends up hurting your relationships and it's hard to have real true friendships. And I kind of feel it's the same sad predicament as these these men who like want this old outdated system. It's like you're you want like a partner that's submissive to you that's not a real partner. And they don't and like you said, you know what was it 69% of women initiate divorces? Like yep. This is a par- a partner that's submissive. They don't really love you and it's not really a partner. So you're like, you'd want like, you know, this fake phony relationship just so you can have someone like do your laundry for you. Like, it's such a weird, it's just a, it's like sad. I feel, I genuinely like feel bad for people that, that cause they're missing out on real, you know, wonderful partnerships.
3: Yeah. And not just missing out on real wonderful partnerships, but like missing out on really good sex. You know, like this yeah, is yeah. so uh-huh. much better when it's an actual partnership. When someone isn't there out of like desperation or force or out of like extreme financial need. Like a person yeah. can't let go and like really be present and be in the moment and feel safe when it's not a true partnership.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, That's why yeah, you get definitely. Ben Shapiro's who don't know about wet pussies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His, <laughs> his, his poor wife is dry as a
0: Sierra desert down there. Yeah. Uh, especially <laughs> well, I op- would be too. Especially when he opens yeah. his mouth for me. Come on, you heard that guy's voice. It's like, oh god. Like, dude, you have the most annoying voice. I'm like, you're lucky. How do you even get married? She must be with you for the money. But um, and and I want to say I, I think also um the rise of the mantle spirit in his modern form. Is also a reaction to the Me Too movement, uh, which is kind of sad that they killed it for um to get Joe Biden in the White House, and um I know there are people who be like, well he's much better than Trump, but it's like you know comparing a serial killer to a you know mass shooter. I don't know, they're both pretty bad. I don't Think
1: they. I don't think they really killed it though. I mean, I, I, I do think they think did. That, they I think, think they, think they that killed it. Really created, created a Joe Biden. shit ton of change. That, it, it did. I it has created change.
0: <laughs> it did create change, but I, I think they also like they stopped the momentum that it was having because it was like motherfuckers dropping like flies. And I think the the man, rise of the current manosphere is definitely a reaction to that Me Too movement. What all it was fucking saying is like consent, like you know, and also maybe someone wants to be at work and not like have someone grab their ass all the time. And like as a dude, like if you're at your job, like dude, you want someone to come up grab your dick? I mean, maybe some of you guys are like, "Yo, oh, fuck, they didn't grab my dick." How hot are they? Um, but still, think of someone that you're not totally attracted to at all, and then they come just grab your shit. You're gonna feel a type of way, like maybe, and just like maybe you just want to be fucking left alone and do your job. You're not there to like hook up and stuff like that. And this doesn't say that relationships and romantic relationships and friendships and and close relationships don't happen within the workplace, but being appropriate about it, and the most thing it was about was fucking consent. Just consent, like, hey, I like you. Do you like me? ever in a sexual situation, am I okay to do this? And then what's you know, if you say stop or no, then I stop and say no. It's not like I'm gonna you know, oh no, no means yes. No, that's all it is. And like you would want to not be violated like that, so why not? And um, think about. So that's 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 kind of my thoughts about it. But I, I could be wrong. But that's how I think the. The zeitgeist has shifted at least in our last you know six, seven years,
3: yeah. I mean, I would have to agree. And also, it's like when you involve, you know sex and love and relationships in the workplace, there's often a hierarchy involved in that. And you know, if you are, say, a manager or someone on like the upper bits of that hierarchy, and You're making sexual advancements in the workplace upon people who are at the lower of those hierarchies. I mean, is there really consent? I mean, if they fear repercussions, if they fear punishment, if they fear losing their job, is there really consent? Even if they say yes, it's okay. No, it's like that. That is not. Yeah, it's really their
1: livelihoods on the line, right? Exactly.
3: You
0: know, and, and you know what? One example that kind of was just even when it happened, I was like, this is insane. 'Cause first I was like, there are people are having sex with this dude. Uh for one. And then two, I'm just like, nothing really happened. He's just like, yeah, I was doing this and it's fine. Um that one late late, late night show host, um, shit. He he's an older guy. He has a beard now. He has a show on Netflix where he interviews like Obama and like Jerry Seinfeld and all these. But what was it David Letterman? That's his name. So like I think in the early like the early 2010s, it came that he was basically like having sex with all his co-workers, um, the younger interns and, like, workers there, women. And I, and I, and I, you know, and it wasn't the Me Too era, but he just, like, announced it, like, yeah, you know, I've been doing this and blah, 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 and, like, you know, hey, you know, it happened, so let's all forgive and forget. And I'm pretty sure in a lot of those situations it wasn't, like, too consenting to part. Like, he was their boss, so, like, he was using his influence to, like, get him some at well, the that- workplace. And then, like, he was a famous celebrity, so it was, like, I'm sure he had options outside of his workplace, but he was abusing his his authority because I'm pretty sure a lot of some of those women he had sex with felt pressure to because like, well, I could lose my job and not be and be destroyed if I'm trying to make it in the, the movie industry uh, or an entertainment industry. And which is happens more often than not, which is. Um, but go ahead, Brian.
1: Well, I I do think that's how the Me Too movement changed things. Because honestly, I think for a lot of the 20th century, I mean, maybe people knew and just didn't say anything. But a lot of that behavior like wasn't even looked down on. It was just kind of assumed as how it was. Like if you think about like rock stars in the 60s and 70s, like they were so many. I mean, you could go down the list of so many famous rock stars that were banging like 14 and 15 year old girls um in the you know in the 60s 50s 60s 70s and that's just kind of oh that's how crazy rock star lifestyle or same thing in hollywood oh yeah bang the producer to get a part in the movie it wasn't even like it was just like oh that's how it is where now at the very least people are speaking out and being like now that kind of behavior is you know fucked up but i think we're kind of doing man manosphere episode two here we should get back to uh,
3: <laughs> kind of the, oh, the yes. relationship yeah, we were talking yeah. about the current state of relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah Let's talk <laughs> yeah. about the current yeah. state of relationship. We we got off topic, but uh, so I mean, it okay.
3: So almost half of Americans currently are single. Forty seven percent of American adults are single. And I mean, if you look at the trends and like tendencies of younger generations, uh, you know, they're more interested in ethical non monogamy. Like they watched their parents like try to adhere to this kind of serial monogamy bit, and experienced some pretty traumatic divorces. And so the younger generations are getting more and more like Gen Z, I think is 19, 20% poly, compared to Gen X, it was 7% or so. Um, And so folks are looking for different ways to structure relationships, because they're like, you know, what we had isn't working. Clearly. I mean,
1: yeah, it was. What do you guys? I don't. I don't know if you, if you guys have an exact stat, but I know divorce rates are at they they hover around like fifty percent, I believe. Yeah,
0: fifty percent of marriages end in divorce. About sixty percent of divorced couples uh, cite infidelity for the reason for the devo- divorce. Uh, divorce, domestic abuse uh, prompts a divorce in twenty four percent of the uh, cases, and uh, basic incompatibility and money issues are among some of the top reasons for for divorce. So the state of marriage is um, not it's, it's grim.
1: Good.
0: It, it's very <laughs> grim. I mean, people were congratulating me uh, and my and my wife Bernita of, of seven years of marriage, being like, "Oh my God, you all you survived the pandemic because a lot of couples like working from home and shit. The ones who had the luxury to do that
2: mm-hmm. and privilege,
0: like a lot of them, did not make it. And and I'm and including some people I personally know, um, which is which is insane. So I was like. Yeah. And then, and then even the people who are, you know, work from home, like you're like, oh God, I got to be here with the wife and kids or husband and the kids. Or, oh, shoot me. It's like, those are your family. Those are the people you're supposed to love. Like, you should be happy to be home with them.
3: Well, so statistically, most divorces happen at the eight year mark, Lornette. So just remind your friends, hey, come back to me after you're eight, after I cross that hump.
1: <laughs> I think, too, that this, all these stats about, you know, divorce rates and things like that, what I, to me, that shows evidence of, that people kind of r- rush out or feel this pressure to be in a relationship. Um, and I know, and you know, we kind of started the episode about that, right? Like talking about Valentine's Day, and it's like, oh, if you know if you're not, you know, in a relationship, then you you're you're lonely. you must be lonely. Um and I think there there's a lot of unseen societal pressure that, on to be in a relationship to get married. I mean, anyone who, you know, has been dating their partner for a while, definitely know there's this pressure to like get married. Um, and then, and I think that's, you know, so a lot of people rush into this situation because it's the cultural norm, not stopping to think, is this actually what I really want and making me happy. And so when you rush into a situation like that, you know, sure, you can put on a good face for a while. But then to your point, Ashley, like eight years rolls around and, is you know, maybe it's something you can't stand after after that long of a time. Um, I also think we should talk about just to like the idea of it's very weird with marriage, like choosing to get the state involved <laughs> in your personal relationships.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I it's mean, like the, the civic, the civic thing. It The state basically took over where the church was had that that monopoly then the state took over. and and you do get like it's real benefits to being yeah. married from the state. So mm-hmm. it's an incentive. And the state likes it because um you know they want you know, especially uh, if you're working class or lower middle class, they want you to get married, pop out a bunch of kids, and like you know we need more workers for our menial jobs, and um we need more young people to send the to send to war. So you know we need poor people here to go join the military to go shoot up poor people in other brown brown and black countries to take their fucking oil. So um, the state has an incentive to make, you know, like, hey, get married, have kids. I mean, I remember, and it, I was I was in a service over 20 years ago, but it was the one place where, like, you have a 19-year-old who, like, is married. And I'm like, if I got married at 19, i was a fucking idiot at 19. I'm, I'm, I'm an idiot at 40, but, let, but definitely 19 years I, old. I got uh,
3: married I, at 19.
0: Yeah, and I just... I would not, <laughs> I personally would not recommend it. Not to say that people who get married at 18, 19 years old, they have, if they worked out and you've been together for a long time, more power to you. But I'm just saying for my personal opinion, um, it what was, was that, going it was, through your head, actually. At yeah, that what time. Was, oh
3: gosh. I mean, you know, love, love is a drug, you know, when you're first in that, like first six months or whatever, you got, you know, testosterone and estrogen, you got, dopamine, you got norepinephrine, you got serotonin blasting. Like Mm -hmm. I have a very addictive personality. Like that's why I do a lot of uh, physical activities that release a lot of dopamine because I, I go hard. I fall hard when I love something and I'm getting those like good, happy chemicals. I definitely, you know, quote, fall in love pretty hard. And, you know, I fell, I fell in love really hard and got married and realized, you know, we had very different goals with regard to world traveling. We had very different goals with regard to like culture sharing and and what we wanted to do with our lives. And very quickly, you know, uh, substance use issues um, with my my ex-husband got really complicated. And Yeah, I was like, you know what? I'm 21. I want to go travel the world. Adios, man. I'm only 21.
1: (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think it's it's Lornette, you touched on it for a second too, but it is like within this system that we live in, there are benefits, right? Because we live in a in a capitalist system, there are benefits to being married that also kind of push people in that direction. And I I think the biggest one, and I think it was a, a big reason of why the gay community wanted so badly to, to have marriage equality, especially with when it comes to loved ones, health care. I mean, you know, it, it, it happens all the time that, you know, if you're in a marriage, if you're in a relationship with somebody, that person that you're in love with probably knows you 10 times better than your parents or some other relative. Yet, if you don't have the state involved in your relationship, then when if you get sick and something happens to you, those other people's, you know, opinions of what should happen to you override someone that you're much closer to. So that's a big incentive to get the, the, you know, the state involved. Um, I
3: mean, visitation is huge and visitation, not only when you're ill or like confined to a hospital, but visitation, if you get imprisoned, um, all kinds of different types of visitation. I mean, and then there's the property and inheritance, there's the insurance discounts and then inheritance with regard to life insurance. There's uh work benefits, you know, I mean, the military has got some stellar benefits as I'm sure Lornet knows for your, your partner. And yeah, you know, and there's and a lot of those programs and taxes. Yeah. I could go yeah. on and on, but there are a lot of legal benefits.
0: Yeah, And I know a lot of marriages in the military that, that started because like they were trying to get like, the extra money and like more benefits and stuff like that and some of these marriages blew up in those individuals faces i had shipmates that had fifty thousand dollars worth of credit card debt and they were like 18 19 years old um and this is like 2000 um for I mean 2003 2002 uh fifty thousand dollars so that's you know nowadays it's probably like what a hundred thousand Equivalent to hundred and hundred fifty thousand dollars in credit card debt. So this is one thing. And then having kids at that age, and then you get a divorce, uh, it's it's traumatic to the child. Um, not gonna lie, because they're like used to mommy and daddy both being around, and then mommy and daddy aren't around. And then you have some people who just get married, um, and then they're not compatible with each other, and they probably shouldn't have rushed it. And not to say that some people who get married very quickly and worked out doesn't. I mean everybody's different, um, but on average, um, we see from the numbers that's not the, the case. And then it's this whole hierarchy of relationships. Um, we we talk about the the financial bit of benefits, but the societal pressure, and then also this thing about um, our romanticizing of romantic love that our partners must be everything and anything and everything to us. Our therapist, our counselor, our best friend, our, our amazing sexy hot Super freaky lover, Uh, our nurse, our maid, (laughs) our co-parent if we have children, uh, a caretaker if we have an older um, parent or relative living in home with us. All these things we we ask out of one type of partnership, and that's that's a fucking lot for any person to be all those things to another person. It's just we're setting the institution is being set up for failure.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, back in the day, like community used to play a lot of those roles and we've kind of had this breakdown of community for quite some time now and it's like now we have this cultural pressure of okay we're all isolated we don't know our neighbors um we don't really have a lot of social supports and so yeah it all falls upon one person and that is your romantic partner so then you know as a result we view that person and that partnership, that romantic relationship as the number one most important relationship, which is absolutely wild because the average relationship does not last, you know, a lifetime. And to put that kind of pressure on someone it is going to doom it, to be honest. it It's not going to be sexy. It's not hot.
1: <laughs> well, Well, I think I think that's. That that is another reason for like why we see such high divorce rates and stuff is when you have so much pressure on this singular relationship. And you're right. It's about the destruction of the community that this like hyper individualization is called is causing where things that the community would do together now just falls to like you as this pair. And yeah, it's it's hard to maintain. It's hard to. I don't, it, yeah, to, to just to last for a long, you know, a long time. Um, I'm interested that that eight year mark, I had never heard that before. And that that was funny. And when we were talking about this episode, you initially said that it got me thinking about, about like friends relationships and things like that yeah yeah
3: yeah there's a few very important markers so um that whole like infatuation period where you're getting like this onslaught of testosterone uh, estrogen and like dopamine norepinephrine serotonin that lasts anywhere from like six months to a year sometimes two years and then you have this hump of like four to five years which is where a lot of relationships that you know maybe don't have marriage involved don't have the state involved four or five years, a lot of those kind of dissolve. And then once you get married, maybe kids are involved, maybe you buy a house, basically you're committing, you're investing. Once you make that past the eight year mark, then, you know, the the predictions um, change drastically.
1: I think it's also important too, to point out when for for some people, when you when you question kind of monogamous relationships they 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 always so oh, they they go to their their main defense oh the children it, it's bad for the children and what i think it's important to point out and we i saw i remember seeing this a lot um after gay marriage was re- legalized and it became more and more common for um homosexual partners to be allowed to adopt children so they started studying the success of the children and what they found out is that children of same sex couples were very were just as much or if not more likely to you know succeed as far as doing well in school getting jobs things like that and what and what i think it points out to is it's not that a child needs you know it has to be a man it has to be a woman it has to be this type of relationship what it needs is people older than them to care about them and preferably as many people as possible. I mean, you, we read all these stats about, you know, single, single parent households and what happens to the kids, you know, more likely to, you know, commit crimes or things like that. And I think that what just, that shows is it's hard for one person to raise a child by themselves. One, they're going to have to go to work. And so they're not going to just not going to be around. And two, it's just hard, you know, the more people that can love a child and be involved in its upbringing, the better. And it doesn't necessarily matter that it has to be this strict, specific way, just as long as that it has a community um, of people who care about it. And, you know, back to our whole point about like our community being stripped away and more and more isolated, you know, we're all put in more and more isolation as time goes on, um, at least the way that the society is going right now. That's what hurts the children. It's not that it has to be this old, oh, it worked because it was a man and a woman.
0: Yeah, and the thing is, you know, you have family member families, um, especially if you get more affluent and and um, um, educational levels um, go up. You 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 move and migrate for school and work, and then you find yourself in a brand new city where you don't have any roots at. And then you lose um, that precious community with, you know, whereas like your mom and dad, grandparents would, you know, help out with child care issues and things of that nature. Or, or your friends and stuff like that that you have, and now you're in a city by yourself, so it's just you and your spouse. So we gotta think about what strain that's um, taking on um, modern relationships and also raising the child, because there's a whole African proverb. African proverb, it takes a village to raise a child, and you know, when families, you know, when it was like multi-generational households, not say they didn't have their problems, because anytime you got people together. There are going to be ups and downs and challenges, but that child had a, a more robust experience because they had their grandparents there or in their community or, you know, their their aunties and uncles. So they were getting different perspectives of adults and different words of wisdom and different ways of being. And, you know, and it wasn't all just on the parents to try to, like, work, maintain a household hold. Uh, feed them and also like, oh, I have to take care of them and all that stuff. And then it's this weird rise of like helicopter parenting. And I mean, this will be a whole nother podcast on parenting. (laughs) Uh, And I just, you know, you let your kids just be free and like, you know, people in the community, when you had a community, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, um, if, you know, the neighbor saw you doing something stupid, they'd be like, hey, you stop that. And like, you know, oh, sorry, Mr. or Mrs. so-and-so. I'll stop that because, you know, you listen to the, your community. But now it's like, oh, no, that kid might get snatched. And that that, that started being the thing in the 1980s where, like, don't be – there, strangers or stranger danger. And I'm like, it was some truth to that. Um, but it wasn't like every encounter with an adult was, like, someone trying to kidnap you. <laughs> Believe me, I, I see little kids all the time. I do not – want to take them home with me. Uh, I'm not about to feed them. They're not my child.
1: <laughs> You're more scared of them than they were.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm
3: like, why are they crying? Why are they crying? <laughs> and I feel like there's two things to highlight in what you just said, Lornette. And one is like the change in economics that has happened during the shift. And at one point, one single full-time employed human being could support a family. And that is no longer the case. Like, very clearly, you need at least two people's incomes. And there's this joke in the polyamorous community of, like, hey, we're polyamorous because of the economy, buddy.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame them because, I mean, mm. my wife and I have a home and, like, you know, bills add up. And if we had children, I mean, our grocery budget is enough for us two adults. I can, and, our, and we had to feed our dogs. So I can imagine if you added children to this equation, um, especially like a, a teenage boy who are just like vacuum cleaners of fucking food. So I'm like the fucking groceries, even getting a couple bags bags, like $150. So much love to all the parents out there trying to maintain in this fucking economy. Um, and then going back to the whole idea of like the idealization of a romantic partner is it comes with other weird thing, which really just like, it, it, it always creeped me out it always was a little weird, and but it's so ingrained in the culture. There's love songs about it and all this stuff, but um, and it's also a result of, like, capitalism and our, our individualism is that the ownership or jealousy um, towards your romantic partner. I remember being, like, when I first started dating my wife, I was at a party one time, and, like, you know, she's a grown woman, adult woman, like, she can do whatever. And like, some guys would talk to her and, like, they were just having a conversation. And then one of my coworkers went to me, like, oh, those guys are talking to you. You're all around your girl. I'm like, um, okay. She's just having this conversation. It's not like she's like, oh, Lord, man, I'm going to fuck this guy right in front of you in the, in the middle of this party. No, it's like, no, oh, what the hell? It's just, I, why would I get jealous? So he's talking to another person. I'm like, what? Hey man, don't talk to my girl. I'm like, I don't, I never like guys like that in school. Cause those guys are the biggest piece of shit anyway. Uh, when I was coming up, those the super jealous types, because I'm like, if you're that crazy and jealous, in front of everybody what type of control and fuck are you behind closed doors but it's like there's you know there's this song back in the day called he's my property and it's like this is a human being it's like we're not slaves like what the fuck and no one wants to be slaves and when you enslave people they fucking rebel and fucking kill everybody and and fucking rebel against that shit because no one wants to be owned so i don't know why we think in this type of relationship we own them it's like in romantic relationships and relationships with our children We feel like we own said partner or said children and possessive love versus non-possessive love. And I say non-possessive love is far better. Your child is going to grow to be their own individual. Your partner or partners are their own individual human beings. Um, And they're going to be a certain way and and live in this world a certain way. And this idea that we need to own them. And that's, if I'm jealous, I remember, okay, case, case in point, I'll talk about my single days. Cause one time I was single and stuff in college, and this is a girl I like, um, and you know, all I'll be told, she was hot, and like she had a crazy boyfriend, and like you know, I called her one time, and he's like, "Don't call my girl," and I was like, "What the fuck? She calls me, so you need to show the fuck out, brother." <laughs> this ain't a one-way street. But anyway, she was like, "Well, you know, we check each other's phones sometimes, and that's just what we do." You know, I get, I'm jealous, and he gets jealous, and that's just, and I was like, "That doesn't sound like a very healthy relationship." Now, yeah, take that,
3: that take... sounds very
0: controlling. Very controlling. And now, now take it. I was trying to talk to this girl. I didn't give a shit about her boyfriend. I was in college. I was young. She was hot. I <laughs> wanted I wanted I wanted to shoot my shot. I didn't. Yeah, but you know, crazy boyfriends. And it's not the only crazy boyfriend I dealt with. And Donald Glover has a joke, you know, guys, if you have a crazy girlfriend, you got a funny story. Ladies, you have a crazy boyfriend, you don't hear that that story anymore because you're gonna die. Um uh, so yeah, men are crazy sometimes. And when they get crazy, it can end in violence. Uh, as we talked about, 24% of uh, marriages end because of domestic abuse. Not cool if you're in a situation like that. If you can get help and safe away from that said controlling abusive partner, please do, whether it's a friend, a family member. And I, I know there's some st- statistic, and even even in abusive relationships, that the partner goes back to said abuser like multiple times before they finally end said relationship.
1: I mean, just think of the countless bar fights that happen over, like, people being jealous. And and the jealousy thing is actually, I think there's something just about monogamous relation pe- monogamous relationships that condition people to be that way. Because that's also not, this is one of the few examples where it's not just a man thing. It is, you know, women can get very jealous in relationships a, as well. And it was always very confusing to me because then it, it goes back to to having a healthy relationship and it's really not, I mean, I always thought about like when people were jealous, it's like, Oh, don't talk to my girl. It's like, why? Oh, cause then my girl will, you know, she might risk. And it's like, all right, well then, but if you're in a relationship with someone else and they are already straying and looking elsewhere, then you're already kind of in a position where your relationship isn't as stable as you think it is. And like, is that what you want and stuff? You know? So it's, I don't know. I think it's, the, again, the like reinforcement of like monogamy, it it creates, know, it makes <laughs> it can make us crazy and make people do crazy things that, you know, if you get out of the situation, you wouldn't probably wouldn't be something that you would do.
3: Yeah, I mean, I feel like my life experience is very unique. Um So when I was a kid, I watched my parents uh, both Lie and cheat on each other. And so I had this idea of kind of an open, ethical, non monogamous relationship from a very early age. And of course, when I suggested that to my parents, when it came out that they were both having, you know, re- sexual relationships outside of the marriage. I was like, oh, but look, you guys, you both want the same thing. This could be healthy, you know, doesn't it like uh, Mm -hmm. neutralize uh, each other because you're both doing it. So, you know, you have a common uh, thing that you're dealing with. And um, I I was like, there's got to be some other way to structure this. I had a lot of other friends whose parents were also doing the same thing. And I didn't find out until I was, I think, 18 or 19 years old in college by taking a sociology course. Oh, there are. Alternative relationship models that exist. You know, there's polyamory, there's swinging. Uh, you know, there's ethical and consensual non-monogamy, um, and there's someone like me, which is I, I feel like pretty rare. So I'm ambiamorous, and we had mentioned this at the start of the podcast, but it basically means I'm comfortable in any relationship structure. Like I'm down with swinging if the couple that we're, you know, swinging with is safe and we all feel comfortable and everyone's on the same page. I'm comfortable with polyamory. I'm, I'm comfortable with all things. I feel like the main, uh, you know, foundation that I need in order to feel safe and comfortable with these alternative relationships is trust and safety.
1: Yeah, I think it's important to point that no matter what, I mean, I guess we'll probably talk about this later when we talk about solutions, but no matter what type of relationship, being truthful and honest and having an open line of communication, because even, you know, not just monogamy, I mean, even like swinger situations, you know, I've heard countless stories where there was that going on, but then, you know, jealousy still rears its ugly head, you know, and and fights and, and problems happen even in those, you know, different, you know, non-monogamy relationships.
3: Um, I mean, and, and jealousy is actually one of my favorite teachers, right? So it's like, even in an open, uh, honest, healthy relationship, you're going to experience jealousy whether you're in a monogamous or a poly or any other type of relationship. And it's like, what about this person that you're jealous of? What about it do they have? What characteristics or things about them do they have that you want? Within you yeah. that you feel that you are lacking, you know. So I love jealousy as a teacher. Yeah.
0: Well, what's was interesting about jealousy? Point. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And interesting about jealousy and this possessiveness and all that, it kind of is one of the things that as I got older, I started thinking more about um, because, well, for one, it's it's really great that younger folks have these options and that there it's more and more people are comfortable talking about these options um where it can be um people can be ethical non-monogamous and stuff things of that nature but one of the big things that come up in relationships is always uh, especially monogamous relationships um with infidelity and one thing that always struck me is that uh, people have a stronger reaction to infidelity in the relationship more so than like domestic abuse or like sexual assault within the relationship like you know hey you know he might beat the shit out of you, but at least he doesn't you on know, you I' know, like i I think I mean, look, they're they're bad, but I like I think one is far worse because I'm like if he's abusive to you, he they are abusive to the children and that there's emotional manipulation and he's isolating you from family members and friends. um that's a dangerous situation and it's in the dangerous thing. but like people are more like infidelity, like oh, that's the worst thing you could do in a relationship. I don't personally think that um but that's just my thing. I like I think Abuse and, and manipulation—they're all bad. But it's like, but also we we let people get away with it because like Donald Trump is like openly admitted to like, well, first off he's like been charged with multiple accounts of sexual assaults or accused. Let me say that because he is a former president. But obviously like he had sex with Stormy Daniels because he paid, even though he's married to Melania. And like his base is like family values, and it's like what? Wait a minute. So it's like people can pick and choose with people they like or or even in themselves, like, oh, this is bad, this is not bad. And I think like either it's it, it shouldn't be an all zero sum game, but I think some things in relationships are far worse than other things. But because of possessiveness, we're like, oh no, if they strayed, they are the worst person in the world. It even gets so crazy where people are like, you can't look at another person or even imagine another. Man. I'm not I'm not dumb. I, I Which... I'm quite aware that my wife probably finds other people attractive, just like I have. And I'm not going to be like, oh my god, you can't find anybody else attractive
1: but me. It's fucking ridiculous. Well, it's, it's ridiculous. That's a funny Thank thing. You. That's always a funny concept, because it's like, they were attracted to you, because they're a sexual being that, you know, are turned on by certain traits and characteristics. So to, like, have them be with you, and then all of a sudden, oh, you need to, like, completely suppress all those, like, it's, it's I don't know, it's an unrealistic expectation. But,
0: I oh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's crazy, though. Like That's the thing, like, Physical violence in a relationship, is kind of people just kind of may might excuse that more so than like infidelity. And I'm like, look, infidelity is bad, but like if it's not a situation where like it, it's a persons or or persons or parties are all at least those are like going on seeing consenting people and no one's getting their ass beat. Um, I, I mean,
1: I, so, so it's, well, it's, it's, it's weird. Yeah, I think the 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 bad thing about infidelity is really is the dishonesty. It's a form of lying about what you're doing. That's that's a problem, no matter the type of relationship. But yeah, beyond that, there's nothing, you know, fundamental. But it's interesting. I mean, if you want to talk about history until very recently, infidelity was punishable. In like horrific ways, up until you know, I, I was when we were. But only know, for the women, history. Brian, not for the men. In, no, that's all these not cultures. true. That's not no, true. There no were for... there were countries in there were countries in Europe during the 16, 1700s oh. where men would be sodomized if they were caught being infid in um you know oh, cheating wow, okay. and things. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. So, well, I know.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. Well, if it's against you're the gonna world, punish so.
3: me for being hypersexual by getting fucked <laughs> yeah. in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's,
1: that's fucking, yeah, I guess Yeah, That's guess, insane, yeah <laughs> That's funny, yeah, I guess how you choose to um, Approach how you feel about the situation Makes it, uh, makes a difference If it's enjoyable or, uh Or, a horrific <laughs> but, but, but but maybe some of this Dishonesty
0: and, like, lying and, and cheating and infidelity Um, if if we If people kind of embrace Or we're more open to alternative monog- um models and even one thing we can talk about. Um the, the sex columnist and um um Ben Savage mentioned this term with him and his partners been monogamous. Uh, <laughs> so that's also a, so it's like hey you know we you know we're mostly monogamous but you know if like he does his thing or I do my thing, we still come back to each other. So like that's also another, you know, new or recent term in the Nexicon over the last twenty, thirty years about an alternative relationship model. So, um, and I know that's more, he, he's part of the LGBT community. So they have embraced more of these alternative models than just the heterosexual men and women because of the traditions of romantic male, female relationships in the heteronormative lens um, because they had that whole history we talked about at the beginning. But I think these, We I, I'm glad to see more um, people of all backgrounds um, at, being a little more open because then that can take the the dominance of like this one only type of relationship model. And I'd say that other things do happen in those other relationships models, because you can have cheating, infidelity, abuse, um, manipulation, control, possessiveness in all types of relationships. Um, it's unfortunate because people can be assholes, but I do think some of those things, barriers can be broken down if folks weren't not, it seems like more people are more, they like they like the ideal of monogamy more so than monogamy themselves, because they were like, I'm monogamous in all my relationships. <laughs> and they've
3: had like 80 of them. It's like, all right. <laughs> yeah, that other... would be serial, serial monogamy. Yeah, and I, so... I think something that's really changing, right? So like our intention and what we want from a romantic or a sexual connection is changing. Like no longer are we trying to like get like political gains or or make alliances or have economic gains even necessarily we're not trying to just procreate the majority of human beings these days like what is our intention with a romantic and sexual and or sexual connection like what do we want from it and like some people some situations some connections it's purely physical you know you just want sex sometimes you want love it's An emotional connection, you want emotional intimacy, and sometimes it's both. And like we kind of promote this moral hierarchy to where if you only want sex, that's considered less valid or less socially approved than, say, one that involves love and sex and commitment. And we definitely have, you know, that bias, that default of you know, love and commitment and marriage is number one. And that's what we should all aspire to. But, you know, that moral hierarchy isn't, isn't really valid anymore, because our intention with our connections that are romantic and, and sexual are, are not what they used to be. And things are changing very quickly.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. And I, and I think with the advent of um, contraceptives and uh, the birth control pill and IUDs, and, um, and uh, guys, abortion is now Basically, depending on what state you're in, illegal, you know, maybe some of you guys should get some bisectomies, because it might not be that hard for you as a guy to get reproductive uh, health care coverage, um, unlike um, our, our, our half of our population, because America is a crazy-ass country. But um, um, that allows folks, and I think that two things, um, if someone wants to be like sexually promiscuous, if they're an adult and is consenting party, party or parties involved... Um, I would just say uh, practice safe sex and have all the fun you want to. Um, but if you want to be single and that's what you were, or maybe you're asexual or maybe you're just like, I'm single and I'm just happy being this way. That's fine, because there, there is this like hierarchy of even relationships um, where it's like your romantic relationship is the most forced and most important thing. And I, and I I would say that is not, especially for individuals who have children, your children, that is a, that should be your most important relationship then your spouse second, but then you still have your family relationships. Familiar relationships are extremely important. And I think what we talked about earlier, putting all the strain on one person to be your any and everything is absolute bullshit. You still have, you should have, if you, if, and some people don't have good relationships with their family and uh, the queer community, they had a different notion of family. Um, there were kicked out for, you know, but their sexual orientations, or their you know gender identity, where they're like I'm trans or non-binary, and parents so like you need to accept a side, and they kick them out for religious reasons or just because they're assholes. Which I'm like that's really cruel. You kick your kid out for who they want to be or who they are is fucked up. For one, but two, um, they created their new they created their own families. And, and yeah, the,
3: the chosen so, family.
0: Exactly. So you, there are different definitions of families, but those relationships are just as valid and important. Has a romantic relationships, and and I've even fell into this trap where it's like it's just me and my 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 wife and partner all the time, and it's like oh right, yes I need to like you know I need to reach out to family members I need to reach out to friends, and and it happens especially as you get older and that's been a, the challenge of getting older and moving to a new city. Um, I don't have like I'm not close to my friends I grew up with and stuff like that. You all are good friends of mine and like you're in different parts of the country, so it's not like yeah. I can just like go over your house every Saturday and hang out and it's like. You should do that. Like you should have a separate life from your romantic partner. And your romantic partner should be your end all and all be all. And like I said, if you have children, that should be your most important relationship, your your child, because you have to raise that child to an adulthood. Um and then once your kids become adults, you can go back to your spouse and that can become your primary relationship, but it's still not because like you still have children and they're still in the world. You still, you know, want to have some type of responsibility, even if you're not raising them anymore. But that's what I think. But it's this whole thing that the romantic relationship is the pinnacle of all human relationships, and it's not. It's a. It's a part of the human experience. Uh,
3: well, I mean, the most important relationship is the relationship with ourselves. Uh, and go ahead, Brian. Sorry for interrupting.
1: No, no, no. Go ahead. That, that's a good point.
3: Yeah, was... I mean, there's no way that we can really have a great, you know, romantic or sexual connection with another human, or even really good friendships, platonic relationships. Like, if we don't know ourselves and, you know, our desires, our intent with connecting with other people, our boundaries, you know, if we don't talk openly about rules with a romantic partner that we're living with, then it's not going to work. So you really got to know yourself and you have to have the courage and the bravery uh, to communicate clearly and to really, like, not shame ourselves. For the desires and the things that we need to feel good and be happy.
1: Definitely. Um, yeah, I just wanted, that. where you were saying that made me think, too, about kind of just being your own independent person, even, and Ashley, I mean, you kind of touched on this, too, kind of being your own independent person within a relationship. And it's almost expected a lot of times, like when you're in a relationship, this like ultra- um codependency is is almost expected i think to to an unhealthy degree sometimes i mean there's almost this expectation where like oh you know you're in a relationship so like you can't even you shouldn't even go out unless that person comes with you and i've experienced i mean just speaking from personal experience i have this a lot um both me and my wife megan prior to being together both very independent people and so that's kind of carried on in our relationship where you know, if one of us wants to go to a concert or something, the other person doesn't want to go, then they'll go with other friends. And and we've had it all. You know, I've experienced pressure a lot where, oh, you'll go you you're you go without them to that. And, you know, and it's like, oh, yeah, like, right. why not? Like, we're, you know, we're independent people. Why can't we have our own separate relationships, you know, with different people doing different things? It's just kind of weird um, that that's so expected sometimes is this codependency. Um and before I forget, I did want to touch on another rela- a type of relationship that we haven't discussed yet, which is asexual people, people who are just not interested in having a sexual relationship with other people. Um, I looked up it looks like one percent that covers you know, roughly one percent of the population. I personally, you know, I've never talked about them, but I have, I have a couple people in my life that I think that's the case. Um, and it's just wild to me, you know. I caught early on, you know, as we were going into our teenage years and our 20s, they just were never interested in like dating people and in, in that kind of way. And it was just interesting to me, you know. Into our 30s, I s- still see there's people in our friend groups or relatives still like asking about it, like, "So are you dating? So are you dating? So are you dating?" And it's like clearly they're just like not that into it, and you know that should be <laughs> fine too. That's kind of what this whole episode about is, just being accepting of all the different types of relationships that that uh, people can have and wanna have and, and all of them are, you know, equally valid.
3: Yeah, and I mean, that one in particular, like that's a part of a spectrum, right? So like all these different parts of our sexuality as human beings, it's all on a spectrum. So you have asexual, right? Like you're n- not interested in sexual stuff and that might be just this moment, that might be, you know, temporary or that might be long-term. The other side of that, you know, continuum, Or that spectrum, you have hypersexual. I mean, that's your people that hit up random folks on Tinder and they're down to go fuck someone they just met. And that's totally cool too. And then, you know, the center of that spectrum, you have demisexual. And I identify as a demisexual. And I mean, not that I haven't felt asexual at times or not that I haven't felt hypersexual at times, but, you know, normally I, I, Tend to go towards demisexual, which is when you need kind of that emotional, that mental, that intellectual stimulation in addition to like wanting a human being physically. And that's not the only spectrum that exists, right? We have that polyamorous, ambiamorous, and monogamous spectrum as well. And all of these spectrums can be fluid, just like, you know, identifying as, you know, more male, female, or non binary all these things can be so flexible and fluid and they change as we change as human beings, because that's what being human is. It's to learn and grow and change and find out more about yourself and who you are. I think we need to have more, more patience with people, you know, being themselves.
1: It just seems so frustrating because there's so much about just our existence as human beings. That's on our, on a spectrum, our relationships, our sexuality, just so many different things, and yet so many times in our um, society we're like asked to boil it down into this binary system, which just which, doesn't exist in reality.
0: Which is bullshit. There's a Kinsey scale, Keyesian scale by the um, sex uh, researcher Kinsey, Kinsey and is like he's like most people fall. They're not like nobody's 100% straight, and, and nobody's 100% like gay we all kind of fall in, in different spectrums. And, and and my wife and I, we celebrated our 7th anniversary, went to a drag show, and like um, one of the performers was like, oh, look, he has some nice lips, in regards to me. And I was, you know, I'm making jokes with my wife, I'm like, you know, too bad, you know, so many straight dudes are so homophobic or you say anything like, man, I love you, bro, no homo, pause, or some shit like that, because it's like, you can't you can't show affection to another man as a man without being called gay, and it's like, all right, I don't think gay men are the only men that should show affection to other men. Like, if you're a father, you show affection to your children. If you're a husband or a brother, you should show affection to those relationships. So it's fine with showing a relationship. But what I'm saying is, gay dudes, man, um, straight dudes should not be homophobic because I'm like, look, men, we don't walk around getting compliments unless, we walk, or unless we're walk unless we fucking, like, Aegis elbow somebody or Denzel in his prime, um, you know. But regular guys walking around, like, we don't. But like, if you want to get your confidence up, <laughs> have a straight dude, like, you know. Go some place where go to a gay bar and don't be open with open mind. Don't be there and be an asshole. Somebody might hit on you. Like, oh shit, you know, even if you're not like, and don't be an asshole about it. Just like, oh, thank you. I've been hit on by plenty of guys. I guess they like my little ass. Um, but it's like, hey, <laughs> I'm not like, I'm not, i gonna, gonna do anything with the dude. But I'm like, oh man, you know, it's a confidence boost. I let my wife know. I'd be like, hey, somebody is checking me out. All right, <laughs> and you know what? It's ladies and guys that want a piece of this. So just, let you know, so. Just, just be accepting of like all those things. Don't be an asshole if someone like hits on you and, and take it in stride. I mean, don't like jump on someone who wants to hit on you, your partner and like, oh I'm gonna beat you up, man. You don't be talking to my girl or my guy or whatever. Like I've been out with my wife and like some I seen dudes trying to holler at her or talk to her, you know, and I'm not I'm not mad. I'm like she's just somebody, like, oh, I'm good. And you know, same way. I've had women hit on me while I was out with my wife and she didn't come up there and, like, oh, I beat her up. It's like it's it's really stupid. But I guess now we can get into some solutions heavy wrap up this well, kind of, of, of a nightmare. solution
1: just p- piggyback off what you were saying is don't slut shame either like talk about jealousy i feel like a lot of times a lot of that is like people who feel like they can't have those kind of sexual relationships get jealous of people who do but uh, yeah you know don't don't judge like people on that end of the spectrum too or you know just going out having sex who they want to i mean you know hopefully they do it safe to, safely and stuff but yeah, that, that that would be one solution. <laughs> yeah, slut shaming
0: I mean, could be. Feel like, Go
3: ahead, Ashley. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I feel like slut shaming is so prevalent that you don't even have to be someone who's hypersexual to be slut shamed. Like people, especially women, get slut shamed simply for feeling confident and comfortable in their bodies. Like not yeah. even touching another human, just feeling good and being confident. Because to be honest, to be you know, a human being and to be truly confident and happy and feel sexy without a person, a human being, a romantic partner by your side, that's terrifying for a lot of mm-hmm. people. That scares the shit out of people.
0: No, for sure. you're, absolutely, you're absolutely right. And, 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 and so many women have talked about it, like, you know, like, um, Even in cases of sexual assault, it's like, well, what was she wearing? And it's like, it doesn't like she could be wearing a turtleneck or she could be wearing like a mini skirt. If a woman gets sexually assaulted, they didn't, they weren't asking for it. um Just like if a guy gets sexually assaulted, and like the joke, we talked about this on our prison episode. It's like the whole joke, don't drop the soap. It's like, why are we like making light of sexual assault? I don't care if it happens to a man or woman child senior citizen like it's not something that should be taken lightly and it's damn sure not something that should be like oh funny haha joke it's like it's a very terrible and traumatic thing to happen to somebody um no matter who it is and slut shaming is a part of that so if someone is promiscuous they you they they go in some women's sexual history and court and be like well you had sex with all these people and they, and all those people let's be honest like some some people are like one is too many and therefore you deserved it and it's ridiculous. Or if you're if you're a sex worker, you work in a sex worker Jason, or you just happen to you know be someone who's an entertainer or or anything like that. It's it's ridiculous. So that's definitely one thing we should stop doing as a society. It's
1: it's, it's funny too because like the opposite of of doing that then also is to to what's the word I'm looking for to like. To reject your your sexual feelings and 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 you know pretend to be something that you're not and you know that happens a lot of horrible shit happens when people start suppressing their their sexual urges or urges for lust and things like that and so I don't know it's just like it's just sad and you know yeah. funny and it's, look, and look it's at the Catholic Church
0: they need to let priests right, right. and nuns get That's married like, because then that that sexual energy gets perverted and and then you have cases yeah. of little kids being raped and touched by these fucking um, priests and nuns,
1: which is disgusting. Guys who just just wish they could go to a drag show, but just can't because God doesn't want it, you know?
0: Yeah, and it's like, drag shows are fun. Go to one, you'll have a bought blast, and um, you might get hit on, and, like, it'll it'll be fun. (laughs) For you straight (laughs) dudes out there.
3: (laughs) I mean, I feel like, you know, the antidote to slut shaming is slut faming. You know, like, if you see a confident, happy person just feeling themselves, gas them up. If you feel a tinge of jealousy, you're like, oh my God, that person, they're just like so happy and sexy. They need to stop dancing so cute. You know, like shut up and reflect on why you feel the need to slut shame that person. You know, we need to gas each other up and get everyone to the point where they're comfortable in their bodies and feel confident and happy and empowered. That is the goal. You know, you can't control people that feel that way about themselves.
0: No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, and definitely
1: not- be, oh, and then be okay with people expressing their sexuality in the way they want. I mean, I think that happens like with us as men, it has to be expressed in this certain way. And that's where like a lot of homophobia com- comes from. Like they see men and expressing it in a way that's not, you know, how it's supposed to be or whatever. And then you get this like irrational hatred and things. But You mentioned there too, Ashley, and we talked about it a few times, but like knowing yourself too and what you're looking for in relationships, what you want, um, maybe some flaws that you have, you know, about things that you need to work on. Like you can't, you said this before, Ashley, but you can't be really being a healthy relationship if you're not like in a healthy spot personally. Um, And that goes for no matter what type of relationship you're looking for.
3: Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I have uh, (laughs) Google documents for, you know, issues that I'm working on currently I'm working on trust issues and and trying to you know get over some traumatic experiences that I had and learning to trust again and I'm working with a therapist on that I also have a Google document for my boundaries right and boundaries are something that you have for yourself we have it for our own selves. It has nothing to do with the other person's actions, but it's like, for example, I have a boundary that if a romantic or sexual partner of mine puts my health, safety, or well-being at risk, if they're diminishing my safety and well-being, I'm out. And upholding our own boundaries is one of the hardest things to do, right? And then there are rules, too. Like, say you move in with a romantic partner of yours, and you have a rule, like, you know, Monday through Friday, no late night noise because I have to wake up super early. Or maybe you're polyamorous and you have a rule of the house, like, no bringing home, you know, random dates that you met on Tinder. And so there's rules, boundaries, and also knowing where we're, sh- where our strengths are, and where we're lacking, and having the courage and vulnerability to communicate those things to those around us is super important.
1: Yeah, open, honest communication is, you know, one of the mm-hmm. most important things, no matter what kind of relationship you're having, because it, it, yep. like you said, it is important to have your own boundaries. And then if you have a partner, be honest and open about what those boundaries are, so they know, you know, it's not fair to them if you don't, you know, they don't know what your boundaries are and then they break it and then you, you know, you freak out on them, um, in a, you know, in an unhealthy way. So Absolutely. yeah, just being, yeah, being open and honest about your boundaries, And that's, that's another thing that I want to like express in this too, is like all these different forms are okay. Each individual person will have their own different boundaries and that that's all fine, but just be open and honest with people you're trying to form a, you know, a certain kind of relationship with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think another thing is also, um, we we talked about this, but stress it enough the importance of non-romantic relationships in in your life. You you mentioned um your you and your um, wife Brian, um um your your wife Brian Megan, um you mentioned like yeah you being independent folks and like going to do your own things and all that stuff and having your own interests interests and and things you like to do on your own. And, and that's fine. And like you know maintain your relationships with old friends, new friends, uh, family members. Like you if you got a cousin that's cool and you want to hang out with them. Go ahead. Um, or, or work colleagues that you become friends with. That's absolutely fine. These are all as human beings, we always crave we're social animals, we crave social interaction, we crave being with other folks. And also some of us are, you know, more introverted or, or ambiverted. And you might, you know, because it's a spectrum also. Um and you also might like crave alone time. So, you know, um, at the height of the pandemic, I would go on solo hikes and I still like doing that every now and then and just get out there or maybe bring my dog and it's just me and my dog. But, you know, I can talk to my dog, but he doesn't really talk back. Um, I guess he doesn't care about me. But like these are all but these are things that people need. We all need that as human beings and that those relationships are just as valid and just as important. And I think that's another thing when we have Valentine's Day and these these you know, day like that where like everybody's hyper focused on the like, romantic relationships, and people who aren't in ones feel some type of way, or they're just like having fun and just playing the field. That's fine too. Like you know, be honest and be open and be respectful of other be people and and ask for consent all the time, um, and get consent. Um, but you know, Speaking all of these consent, other relationships cons- are important.
1: Speaking of cons- consent, I think having a baseline of respect for your partners for other human beings for, you know, kind of just the golden rule, like don't do other things to other people that you wouldn't want done, done to yourself. So that involves, you know, that kind of goes back to being honest, but like not leading people on, not being dishonest about your intentions, you know, like have some respect for other, you know, other people and their feelings and things. Um, and also kind of a, a, a kind of a systemic thing that we can improve on, I think would be Improving our education in school about sexuality and relationships, especially early on. I mean, I know I'm getting old. Hopefully it's changed. But when I went to when I was learning about like sexuality and reproduction, all that, they divided the boys and girls up into separate classes. And you only learned about your own like sexual organs and sexuality. So it's like it's no wonder that we have like grown men you know, everyone jokes, oh, they can't find the clit, you know, shit like that. It's like, well, yeah, if you didn't have, like, a parent or a relationship or something. And then, you know, like, the sad part, too, is then, like, you know, ki- you know kids who who don't learn and get it, you know, get a proper education about this stuff will go on the Internet and find some, you know, fucked up porn or something. And then they think, like, that's respectable or normal or something, you know. Um, so I think, like, definitely with schooling. And, you know, a lot of this probably doesn't happen because you have, like, the religious right that's like, oh, we just need to teach abstinence and that's it. But hopefully parents will fight people, you know, intellectually fight people like that and and get school boards to, uh, you know, it'd be much, you know, just like um, uh, child teenage pregnancy rates are much higher in counties that only teach, teach abstinence education. So you can, we'd be a lot healthier as a society if in our schooling system, we had a more open, honest, um, talked about all the different spectrums of sexuality and relationships.
0: Yeah. and, And also if you're a parent and you have kids, like age appropriate, you know, sex education talks um are out there and there's we have the internet now so there are tools that you can utilize if it makes you feel weird I'm talking to your son and daughter about the birds and the bees i mean they're they're gonna eventually become adults themselves and one day and get and has someone who is a former teenager myself those hormones are raging at that age and puberty's happening it's very awkward and weird time but you know that's when you're like oh yeah you know you start noticing like People you're attracted to and all that stuff, and and it's more than just like a little schoolboy or schoolgirl crush. Um, and then things can happen. So, talk to them and, well, uh, and 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 encourage your, you know, not just don't depend on the school to do it, but just like do it yourself and and or have an auntie or uncle talk to them about it. And just like you know, I know they're be embarrassed and all that shit, but like your kid is gonna go well, be a sexual being. Most yeah,
1: well maybe that's another. Another thing is, like, breaking this taboo around sexuality and all that stuff to begin with. Like, you're absolutely right. Like, for some people, it's so uncomfortable to talk about sex and stuff. And it's like, why? It's something, it's how we all got here. It's something that, you know, most of us will like to do at some point in our lives. So, like, what, you know, especially in America, like, we're so, I guess, you know, it comes from, like, religion or whatever. But, yeah, we're so, like, you know. We shame it. It's shame. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's something to it's, be embarrassed of and hidden and not talked about. It's a private matter. Yeah, and even And that's reinforced guys.
1: like in our in our media too. Like, you know, like, you know, violence, you can in like a movie, you know, you can show somebody getting shot in the head, but up oh, if you show a dick, up oh, that's NC17, you know? Like it's it's just it's It's, weird, crazy. Yeah. it's all, it's all or, backwards.
0: Or yeah. even how straight guys talk about sex. It's always like, "Yeah, I'm you know, if they were trying to brag oh, like, you know all these girls. It's never about like you know, how you're pleasuring those women or like how, what do you like to be pleasured? Like, what do you like? Are you into like all to, uh, these type of things and like being freely talk about that? Like, I think it's changed a Well, a, 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 it's actually changed quite a lot. And and that's a positive trend, but for for more people to be like, yeah, I like this. I don't like this. I like this. I don't like this. And not, not just being like bragging about like, all your conquests as a guy and like as a woman being like, I've never, I'm so ladylike and I would never do anything like that. Um and blah 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 blah. And it's it's like
1: I, these I
0: rigid like, ideas around sexuality, and like, no, you, yeah. you, you should we should talk about it more. But go ahead, Ashley.
3: Yeah, I feel like the intention is really changing, right? And so like the intention of our sexual and you know, loving, intimate partnerships, the intention is changing from being that based on power and control to something based on pleasure and joy. And so when your end goal is more pleasure and more enjoyment of that relationship or that connection or that sexual interaction like there's no sense in just like doing bragging rights type thing right it's like oh my gosh have you tried this new thing like when I talk to my best friends we're sharing information man we're taking notes
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and that's how it should be I mean I don't know at least for me that's one of the points of being alive is trying to you know in addition to trying to make the world a better place but also just having the best time you can and bringing as much happiness and joy to yourself and everyone else that you can because we're here for a very short time in the grand scheme of things so why not have it be fun and enjoyable and awesome all right is before we get into quotes was there anything else anything you guys wanted to talk about that we skipped over if not I think we can get into quotes.
3: I'm down for quotes.
0: All right, Actually, um, right. do you want to go first?
3: Yeah, I can go first. And so um, my quote is actually an adaptation from, uh, I think his name is Stephen Covey or Co- Covey, Stephen Covey. Um, and it's about love being a verb, um, but I've adapted it for my own like personal uh, motivation and mantra purposes. Um, so love is a verb in action love the feeling is a noun and our actions can create love or they can destroy it
1: Ooh, i like all
0: right. that all right Um right. right. well my quote i mean it's it's, it's 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 part of a section of the uh article i mean chapter nine of um uh revolutionary suicide the autobiography uh stuff the memoir by Huey p newton in um he's talking about a conversation he had with a friend and they're talking about love and relationships. So on the passages, Richard had a theory about intimate human relationships, relations. He saw non-possessive love as pure love, the only love. Possessive love has a mockery of pure love. Non-possessive love did not enslave or constrain the love object. Richard was critical of what he called bourgeoisie love relationships, of the marriage system and the requirements of marriage partners to each other, i.e., jealousy, sex with one partner, limits upon mobility, well-defined roles based upon sex. He felt people should not be like cars or houses. No man should own a wife. No wife should own a husband because ownership is predicated upon control, fences, barriers, constraints, and psychological tyranny. Non-possessive love is based upon shared experiences and friendship. It is the kind of love we have for our bodies for our thumb or foot. We love ourselves, we love our bodies. We do not want to enslave any part of ourselves.
1: Uh, Huey Newton, who's one smart cookie. <laughs> um, I, as I've been known to do, I forgot to get a quote for this episode, but I did find, I think I'm just gonna tack it on to the very end of this episode. Um, when we were talking about doing this episode, it kind of reminded me of my first time where I kind of had this, like, awakening where I, I don't know, I had never really thought to even question, like, our relationships and the way we form. And it happened to me um, during this stand-up comedy special by Daniel Sloss um, in this, his special called Jigsaw, which was released in 2018. I think I was watching it during the pandemic. But um, I'm just going to share to end the episode. It's a quick little five-minute um, bit that he does where he talks about – kind of how we're, it's kind of the default in society to be per, like, it's, you know, from the moment we're little kids we're we're taught that like, you have to find a partner, you have to find a partner to be with forever. And that's the most important part of your life. And it's all throughout our media, you know, all our Disney movies, there's always a <laughs> prince and a princess and they got to find each other. And we put so much like emphasis on our lives about making sure we find a partner without you know, thinking about if it's right or if it's, um, will bring us happiness. And, and, uh, so he just, I don't know, really made me see it in a different light. Um, and I guess, I guess when I was searching for the clip, I guess he was saying that like, he's had like people come up to him shows and have him sign like their, their, uh, divorce finalizations and stuff. Like so many people like came up to him and like said, like, you made me like realize my relationship wasn't healthy and things. So hopefully, um, you know, it'll just have an impact uh, on you all like it did on me. But um, before we get to that, I just, Ashley, I really, really want to thank you for coming on. It was yep. awesome to have you on and your perspective. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank
3: you. Thank you so much for having me. This was great.
1: All right. And thank you, Lornette. Um, thanks everyone for listening. Please don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Q culture, Q U E culture there. We're going to share all kinds of information um, clips and documents and things that we uh, talked about on the podcast. Uh, You can also get more of that stuff at Lournette's blog, The Evolving Man Project. Um, And if you enjoyed the podcast, please uh, don't forget to give us a like on whatever platform you're listening on. And if you can give it a review or share, anything to help get us noticed would be appreciated. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. And remember to question everything. Everything.
2: I was seven years old. My dad said something to me that to this day is the reason I will die alone. Very happily, I may add, but I was seven years old. I didn't know what life was. I was like, I didn't know what existence was. How the fuck would I know? Uh, So I thought I'd ask my dad because he can fix a computer, so he must know. So I was like, dad, what we all do? What's the meaning of life? Why are we all here? What what, what, what the fuck? And my dad loves his kids, so he wants to explain to his son in a way that he'll understand. But unfortunately, his son's a fuckhead. So he has to explain it in a way that a fuckhead will understand. And he accidentally did it perfectly. And it's stuck with me since then. This is what he said. Right? Seven years old. And he goes, all right, buddy. Just imagine that your life, my life, everyone else's individual life. Imagine all of our lives are like our own individual jigsaw puzzles. And as we're going through life, we're just slowly piecing it together. Bit by bit, based on experiences and lessons that we've learned until we get the best picture. But the thing is, everyone has also lost the box for their jigsaw. So none of us know what the image we're trying to make is. We're just confidently fucking guessing. So the best way to do a jigsaw when you don't have the image to work off is to start from the outside, the sides and the four corners. Family. Friends. Hobbies slash interests. job. obviously as you go through life, some of these businesses have to change. Sometimes you'll make new friends and you lose contact with old, so you've got to move this corner around a bit. Sometimes you'll get a job that means you can't have certain hobbies. You've got to decide then, do I want more me time or do I want more work time? You've got to move this stuff around. Sometimes you'll have a family member that dies and they'll leave a big hole in your life. In that moment, you'll have to find a way to fill that void, otherwise you'll be incomplete forever. Now, that made perfect sense to me because I was seven years old. I fucking love (laughs) jigsawks. So I was like, all right, okay. So once you've got this stuff on the outside, side, what's, what's the main bit of the image? What are we all working towards? And he goes, well, that's, that's the partner piece. You want this perfect person who you've never met before to come out of nowhere, fit your life perfectly, complete you, and make you whole for the first time in your life, much like your mother did for me. Seven. Seven years old. I wish he just said, ice cream, and we could have fucked off. And even though what he said sounds sweet and whatever, what it manifested in my seven-year-old brain was this. If you are not with someone, you are broken. If you are not with someone, you are incomplete. If you are not with someone, you are not whole. And that's not just something my dad made me feel. That's something that we as a society have made every single child born in the last 40 years feel. Every Disney princess has a prince. Every prince has a princess. Every television show or movie always has a character in it right, that doesn't want to be in a relationship. Right, They're happy with who they are, but then by the end of the series, guess what? They were wrong! They were wrong for wanting to be alone. What a fucking idiot. Everyone needs someone. Yeah, they were just a toasted bars marshmallow, weren't they? It's all to do with love. Divorce, an entirely common thing that there is nothing wrong with. When you're growing up and your friend's parents get divorced, you're told to not talk about it or mention it to them because it's taboo. And the reason it is taboo is because every relationship on the outside is perfect. Because none of us are willing to admit that none of us know what the fuck we're doing. And when you raise children in that world where everything points towards love and everything's perfect on the outside, when you raise them for 18 fucking years, when we become an adult for the first time in our late teens and our early twenties, we're so terrified, we're so trying to be an adult that some of us will take the wrong person, the wrong jigsaw piece and just fucking jam them into our jigsaws anyway denying that they clearly don't think, oh, we'll move pieces out of the way. I don't need this hobby. I don't need this opinion. Mum who, the bitch with the tits. What has she done for me recently? And we'll force this fucking person into our lives because we'd much rather have something than nothing. And five years later, you're stood looking at a jigsaw you don't recognize, being like, ah, there's a fucking cunt in the middle of this. Maybe you do meet the perfect person. Maybe you meet them, you go out. They make you laugh, you make them laugh. They've got a stupid laugh, but you fucking love it. They like what you like. They like your idiosyncrasies. It's great, it's perfect. Oh my God, they've completed you. For three months. Every relationship is perfect for three months. And here's why. Because after three months, that's when you realize that nobody else is a jigsaw piece. Everyone else on this planet is is as deep and as complex an individual as you are. Which means they too have spent the last 20 or so years of their life working on their own jigsaw puzzle in the same way that you've been working on yours. You can't suddenly expect them to give up everything they've come to achieve to suddenly fit into yours in the same way that you'd be pissed off if they asked you to sacrifice everything you've done to suddenly come fit into theirs. But now, because you like each other and because you're interested in each other, now you have to make a jigsaw together. And we all know how fucking annoying that is. But you do it because you're in love and you're interested... Maybe for the first couple of years it's great. It's like, oh my God, you love this bit of me. I love this bit of you. Oh my God, we got the same thing. Yeah. But timing does not equal success. You can spend five or more years with someone. And only then, after all the fun you have, you're looking at the jigsaw and realize you're both working towards very different images. Only then realize that you want different things. And in that moment, you have a very... Very difficult question to ask yourself. One, do I admit the last five years of my life have been a waste? Two, do I waste the rest of my life? 55% of marriages end in divorce. 90, 90% of your relationships that are started before they are 30 end. If those were the stats for surgery, None of us would fucking risk it. But because it's love and we're stupid, we just lie on the operating table like maybe this time I won't die inside. (laughs) My generation has become so obsessed with starting the rest of their lives that they're willing to give up the one they are currently living. We have romanticized the idea of romance and it is cancerous. People are more in love with the idea of love than the person they are with. I am very aware that this is not a particularly funny bit of the show. (laughs) Every time I've done this routine, my age is just like, can you drop the fucking sad bit? And my answer is no, for three reasons. One, my show, fuck you. Two, I think it's one of the very few smart routines I've done. Three, I know I'm right.
1: User opinions expressed on this podcast belong solely to Brian Lornette and their guests and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that Brian Lornette and their guests may or may not be associated with in any professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated.